The following is a hoop ball presentation. Getting ready to take flight as we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Bradley Harden, and as I feel good, we're real energized and excited to get this podcast started. I want to start with a rendition of one of my favorite songs, AT Aliens, by Atlanta's own Grammy Award winning hip hop duo, Outcast. Now just throw your hands in the air and wave them like it just don't care. And if you like hootball, I stray in JC. Everybody, let me hear you say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So excited to start this podcast off and we're glad to have you on our journey. Whether you're a diehard fan who bleeds red and gold, a casual fan, you're a huge fan of Ice Trey and JC like I am, or... You're just here to just learn more about the Atlanta Hawks and hear this beautiful, sulky voice of the host that you have here. Welcome, welcome to Hoopball Hawks. As we record today on 824-2020, it's Mama Day, and we want to take this time to give our flowers to the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant and his daughter Gigi, as well as the others who passed away in a horrific helicopter accident earlier this year in Los Angeles. Shocked the world, sports world, and... As Kobe Bean Bryant inspired a lot of people to be better, do better, achieve that mama mentality no matter what you do, whether it's your professional career or you're aspiring to be an athlete. Kobe just was a leader and just awe-inspiring. Just all that he did on and off the court, the five-time champion, being a mentor, being the loving father and the great husband that he was that a lot of people got to see after his career was over in the NBA and as well as going into film and doing other ventures. So I would be remiss if I did not give my flowers to Kobe Bryant and Gigi today, as well as I give two birthday shout outs. One to my homie Phil, whose birthday is today, 824. Happy birthday, Phil. Turning the big 2-7. You're getting old, my friend, White Mamba. And my homegirl, Parisa, who had a birthday the day before. So happy 25th birthday to you. So, with that, we're going to segue into the NBA lottery, which occurred a few days ago on August 20th, which a lot of Hawks fans do know now where they are picking. But for those who did not go into the draft, the Hawks were projected to have the fourth pick, and they had the fourth highest odds in the NBA to obtain the number one pick at 12.5%. They had a 36.6% chance to get a top three pick and a 55.3% chance to get a top five pick. And unfortunately, the Hawks fans do feel jaded because they fell to the number six pick overall in the draft, as well as having the number 50th pick in the second round. And despite falling and having odds to have a top five pick more so than where they fell to, I like them picking me at six. It is a top-heavy draft this year with the Atlanta native Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and Wiseman as the clear top three picks. 
Killian Hayes is projected fourth, but there's still a lot of quality players that will fall to them at six, whether it's Obi Toppin or my favorite player in the draft for the Atlanta Hawks, De- Devin Vassell out of Florida State. But there's a lot of potential players in this draft that will fill a roster spot, be a rotational player, a perennial starter, or a starter, or a perennial all-star, potentially based on where the players are selected and the development that occurs when they're selected by that team. And this year, more so than in past year, I would assume that the draft analysis process will be different because of the standards set by COVID-19. And a lot of analysts are predicting a lot more misses from teams this year and years past because they won't be able to probably bring as many players in for workout. They have an incomplete year in film with the stoppage of play in college basketball. Luckily, the overseas players, depending on which league they were in, were able to continue to play. But not as much film available with the COVID and the quarantine. Players may not have been able to access facilities to work out and develop their game and their body to get ready for the draft combine in a process whenever that will occur they're still ironing out the details right now but they can look to the nfl draft and combines which went relatively smoothly this past year with the use of video conferencing for pre-draft and combine interviews but like i stated the stoppers of play will make it even more imperative for teams to do their due diligence on these prospects so that teams can hopefully prove the analysts wrong and get the right player for the system to continue to move on the trail if you're the Hawks to becoming a playoff team and putting a team around Trey and John Collins and Clint Capella that is built to compete in the Eastern Conference playoffs in the next year or two. So with that, we have just under two months to forecast picks, trades, see what the bubble combine will look like, as well as speculations, rumors, which we will follow closely and discuss and create our own forecast here on the Hoopball Network here at Hoopball Hawks. The NBA draft is slated to be on Friday, October 16th. And before we go into the knees for the Atlanta Hawks and who they will select with their two picks in the NBA draft, I would like to recap the shortened 2019-2020 season for the Atlanta Hawks. Social distancing became the new normal for our society when COVID-19 broke out and led to the stoppage of play on March 11th. And we are fortunate to have the NBA bubble created to keep players, personnel safe and continue to play the game that we love. But I would be remiss if I did not you know, show appreciation for the NBA, taking their time to do their due diligence to make sure that this was rolled out in a manner that kept the players safe, the coaches safe and as well as team personnel safe, and as well as the sacrifice that players had to make to participate in a bubble or even opt out. It was not an easy decision with everything going on when you have to look after your family and take care of you and yours. You're asked to you know, put yourself and your life on the line to go out there and perform a game for the entertainment of people. So I want to give a hats off to the NBA, Adam Silver, all the teams, all the players in the bubble, and for everyone 
who made this possible. Thank you so much because we're able to see the playoffs play out when there was a time a few months ago we didn't know if the season was even going to continue. And those discussions are still being had for the 2020-2021 season. And unfortunately, just like I mentioned with social distancing, the Hawks have been socially distanced from the playoff since 2017 after a great string of 10 straight years in the playoffs from 2008 to 2017, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals once and the Eastern Conference Semifinals four times in that time span. But still eluding them is the coveted Larry O'Brien Trophy as this historic franchise, which started in St. Louis and then moved to Atlanta in the late 50s, early 60s, have still not won an NBA title in a championship to their res and added a trans championship to their resume. And last year did not seem like an encouraging step forward climbing the NBA ranks as they fell to twenty and forty seven, which was the second worst record in the East in front of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the fourth worst record in the NBA in the midst of a rebuild around Trey Young, the mid year edition of Clint Capella and John Collins. Now, the Hawks did play some of the top teams close and won some of those games, but they lost a lot of winnable games to teams that I feel that the Hawks are better than and should be better than and are close to them as far as when you look at their timeline for their young core compared to some of these other teams' timeline and their young pieces that they have in their team. Another thing to mention for the last year was the absence of John Collins for 25 games after being suspended for the violation of the NBA anti-drug program on November 5th. And as well as Trey Young and some other people getting hurt throughout the year. So the Hawks never really had a complete roster throughout the year. And a lot of stumbling blocks that led to their slow start off the gate. Once Trey Young and John Collins were on the court at the same time, they did play close to 500 balls. So that's something that Hawks fans could look towards and say, hey, when healthy, when on the floor, they do play close to 500 ball, which would put them closer into conversation of being in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But with that being said, when you look at last year's schedule, like I mentioned before, you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And if you're aspiring to beat a playoff team, that is a given. That is expected of you, especially when your window, like I said, is coinciding with other teams, young cores window. And you know that you have to beat these teams in order to advance and get to the place that you want to be, which I said is the Eastern Conference playoffs. And as a young roster, which, which the Hawks do have with few veterans, this is a given and is expected to happen. And, and it's the big thing for the Hawks is that. A lot of their problems are attributed to youth and a lack of experience, which will come in time. When you're looking at rivals for the Hawks to aspire to be better than, a lot of Hawks fans easily draw the comparison to Dallas. Because the draft night trade that sent Luka to Dallas and Trey Young here to Atlanta in with the NBA bubble, like I mentioned, the playoffs, as we're recording today on 824, Luka did have the 40-point triple-double performance yesterday and the game-winner to beat the Clippers and tie that series 2-2. And it's easy for Hawks fans to say, well, that should be us. We could be there. We could be a playoff team. We should be in the playoffs at this time instead of having what we had. But it's really hard to say that the Dallas Mavericks 
are your rivals. They have arguably two All-Stars on that roster. And they're cross-conference. You only play that team twice a year. And when the Hawks did play the Mavs this year, Luka Doncic did not suit up for either of the matchups, which was admittedly a little disappointing because it is a very exciting matchup that everyone is going to turn on the TV. It's going to be heavily coveted because of the connection of the of the draft night trade. They're in the same draft class, obviously. And you want to see how both of these superstars' timelines go in their in their career, and you love to see them play against each other. However, when you look at a rival, I say that you look for someone in your own neighborhood, in your own backyard, if per se. And for the Hawks, I see that the Chicago Bulls are that franchise that is their rival at this time period. When you look at their young cores and the timelines coinciding, the Chicago Bulls is that team. If you're playing the game Pokemon, you're starting off, you got your Pokemon, you're ready to go. You remember Professor Oak? You're going along the trail to, you know, go into the Cantor region or whatever game you're playing. And all of a sudden, the rival calls you. It's like, hey, I want to battle too. I got a Pokemon too. And he comes and then you battle your rival throughout the game several times. The Chicago Bulls are that rival if you're the Atlanta Hawks with them having an all-star and Zach Levine, a bunch of young prospects with Wendell Carter Jr., Kobe White, and Lori Markinen, um, as well as the other players on the roster. Them being young, trying to develop their game, figuring out how to win games in the NBA, and the Bulls were 22-43, and 43, which was three games better than the Hawks. And the Bulls, they were two and a half games back from Washington, who were a bubble team this year, even though they had a considerable distance between them and Orlando Magic. The Wizards were in the bubble, and the Bulls were only two and a half games back from that. The Hawks were five and a half games back from being a bubble team and even further back, as I mentioned, from the Orlando Magic. But however, the teams in between from basically the bottom of the Eastern Conference to where the Magic are, here was the records for the Hawks as they fared last year. Against the Bulls that I mentioned, their rival, their Gary in the Pokemon game, the Bulls swept the Hawks four to none. So you don't get a win against the Bulls, which I feel like is a team that you should be beating. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the only team with a worse record than you in the East, you go 0-3. The Detroit Pistons, all the turmoil there, the uncertainty in the roster and the injuries, the Hawks were able to go 1-2. The Hawks split the 8 seed, the Orlando Magic. They went 1-2 against the Wizards, who were the bubble team. And then in Charlotte, they ended up going 1-2. So the Hawks go 5-15 and 15 against teams who were the 8th seed and lower in the East. Which, like as I said before, if you're going to be a playoff team, you have to beat teams with sub-500 records. Even if that includes yourself. And they just did not get it done last year. And as I attribute to youth, injuries, availability, all of that played into these records. So this would be something that I would look to see the Hawks improve on, hopefully key on next year as benchmarks to continue to inch closer and closer to be becoming a playoff team in the East. And when you look at the numbers last year for the Atlanta Hawks, they just flat out have to get better on both sides of the ball. With the scoring prowess of Trey Young and John Collins both being over 20 points per game, you would think offensively if those two are carrying your offense, that hey, overall they're probably a pretty good 
offensive team, especially with Trey Young averaging nine assists per game. But when you look at the numbers, they averaged 111, almost 112 points per game, which was 16th in the NBA. But their field goal percentage was 44.9%, 23rd in the NBA. They had the fifth fastest pace in the NBA, and they averaged 24 assists per game, which was tied for 16th in the NBA. But nine of those are coming from Trey Young. So that means roughly 15% per game is coming from other people on the team, which is good. But the better teams, you know, they have more assists because they have more ball movement. And that's something that I would like to see improve offensively for the Hawks to give more people open shots, especially when they have the fifth fastest pace in the NBA. That means they're moving, they're going. They can get other people tired. They have a younger roster, younger legs. And maybe they can work some more sets to get more open shots. Because right now, offensively, the rating in the league is 107.2, which is 26 in the league. Very low. They were 33% from the three-point line, which was last in the NBA. And they shoot the eighth most threes per game in the NBA. So they have an offense predicated on shooting the three-ball a lot. But they're not hitting the three ball effectively either. So they have to improve from the three offensively. They have to get more ball movement. They have to get more assist. Free throw percentage is pretty good at 79%, ninth in the NBA. But 16.2 turnovers per game, which is 28th in the league. So they have to get the turnovers down. They have to become more efficient on the offensive side of the ball. And it's funny to say that because Trey Young and John Collins are two of the most efficient players on the offensive side of the ball in the NBA with Trey Young being 11th and John Collins being 13th overall. So you have two very efficient players on the offensive side of the ball, but you have to work to get the other players on the team cleaner looks so they can hopefully be a little bit more efficient. I think third on the list was DeAndre Hunter, which you'll see what is plus minus being third on the team. He's a very efficient player and he's pretty impactful and it makes a positive impact when he's on the court. So those three players I would look to see continue to hold most of the shots next year and but they need to get people to continue to initiate the offense outside of Trey Young because there is a big gap from Trey Young and then from last year having uh, Jeff Teague a constant professional which will we resign on we don't know that at this time but he did come in and have some of the playmaking responsibilities when Trey Young was out along with DeAndre Bembry, but they need more because they have a lot of jump shooters, a lot of people who, well, and I'm not saying they're not good dribblers, like, but ball handling is not their strong suit, so you have to have sets to get them open looks more so, like Hoarder, like Cam Reddish, like DeAndre Hunter, who, who still need to improve putting the ball on the floor and getting to the hoop, but all of that comes from that youth gaining experience and continue to develop. So we will hopefully see that next year, see some development on the offensive side of the ball, as well as defensively, where the Hawks were were 21st in the NBA last year, averaging about 43 rebounds per game, which was a 6% drop from the year before. And that could definitely be the turnover in the backcourt. You shipped out Lynn, you added Parker, you added Capella, like the front court was not really set the whole year, especially when you have John Collins out for 25 games. 
their opponent's points per game was last in the NBA. They gave up 100 and almost 120 points per game. Opponent's three-point shooting percentage was 36%, 22nd in the NBA. Opponent's two-point percentage was 58%, 25th in the NBA. Defensive rating, 114.8, 27th in the NBA. They committed the most fouls per game. And they were 13th and 12th, respectively, in steals and blocks. So, all in all, they have to get better rebounding the ball. They have to get better defending at the perimeter and protecting the paint. So, defense, defense, defense will be one of the things that I mention when it comes to free agency and draft prospects going forward for the Atlanta Hawks. But before we continue to forecast what the Hawks need to add to their team, there are some things to celebrate on our team right now, just like obviously Ice Trey, the best player on the team, is not even close. All-star average almost 30 points per game. As I mentioned, 9.3 assists in 35 minutes per game. Played 60 games last year. Averaged 20 field goal attempts. 4.8 turnovers per game. Like I mentioned, he is the primary ball handler, playmaker in our offense. If you add someone else to take some of that responsibility, I see turnovers go down. And as well as continue to play and mature, turnovers will naturally go down. But he has the ball a lot in his hands. He's asked to do a lot, and rightfully so. He's the star of your team. He averages still a game, four rebounds. He averaged 43.7% from the field, 86% from the free throw line, um, 36% from the three-point line, third highest on the team. And I know you're wondering... That's the only third highest on the team. Well, he's shooting a, a lot farther back from the three-point line, which we love to see. And he hits a lot more of them than he misses now. But still, he's not shooting the most efficient three-pointers at times. But it will get better, I think, um, in due time at 36%. But he's still a threat no matter what. So he has to be guarded as soon as he crosses half court. 20 field goal attempts per game. He averaged 3.4 made three-pointers per game, but also attempts nine-and-a-half three-pointers per game. I can see him being a future 50-40-90 club member, but I think the shot selection will improve once he gets more around him and he trusts his teammates more, so he's picking his shots, picking his moments, so he'll become even more efficient from the field and I think more efficient from the three-point line as well and in general. So 50-40-90 club, I could foresee that in the future, especially being at 86% from the free throw line already. He's second on the team in plus-minus at 7.4. Very positive. Um, He has the sixth most three-point attempts in the league this year, fourth most free throw attempts in the league this year, second most turnovers, second in assists per game, third in assist percentage at 45.6%. He has 5.3 offensive win shares, which is 15th in the league. His offensive plus minus is seventh in the NBA at 6.3. And his, as I mentioned before, his player efficiency rating is 239 which I mentioned earlier in the program, is 11th in the NBA. Very efficient player. I think he's only going to get more efficient the more that he has around him and the better his teammates become. John Collins, second on the team, 21.6 points per game this year, 10 rebounds per game, 1.6 blocks per game, and average 2.8 offensive rebounds per game, which I think is a very positive statistic to have just to give your team second chance opportunities on offensive end. 
33 minutes per game, only played 41 games, obviously missed 25 due to the suspension. 80% from the free throw line from a big man I like to see, 58% from the field, which is one of the higher higher field goal percentages in the NBA, has 15 field goal attempts per game, 3.7 free throw attempts per game, which as he continues to improve putting the ball on the floor, I would hope that goes up. But like I said, very efficient player. His efficiency rating is 23.5, 13th in the NBA. And like I said, he has the eighth highest field goal percentage in the league. And one of the big things that has improved with John Collins is three-point shooting, which is at 40% this year from Clip, which is the highest on the team, which is amazing. I love to see his development, him continue to hit threes, as well as be explosive around the rim, get boards. Um, I would like to see him improve on the defensive end um, and maybe be, well, maybe with Capella there being the shot caller on defense, I think maybe he will improve on the defensive end, having both them in the paint. DeAndre Hunter, the rookie, very efficient player. I feel like he plays very mature, and I think that's a product of the system that he came from in Virginia. When you look at Malcolm Brockton and how he came into the league, very mature, knew his game, under control. He does the same. He doesn't make many bad plays. That's why he has the third highest plus minus on the team at 4.7. But averaging the third most minutes on the team at 32 minutes per game and only scoring 12.3 points per game. He's a rookie. He's young. That will improve. But I would like to see that increase this year, definitely, if you're going to be the third, half third most minutes on the team. Uh, four and a half rebounds per game, uh, 63 games played. He had the most games played on the team this past year, 35% from the three, which I look to see him improve, 41% from the field, 45% in two-point percentage. So, improving jump shot around the rim, just being more efficient from there. He averaged 10 field goal attempts per game. Next on the list, Kevin Hoyter, 12 points per game, averaging same amount of field goal attempts per game, 3.8 assists. I would like to see that go up. I would like to see him be more of a playmaker, especially with his threat to shoot the three. And as an effective jump shooter, I would like to see that threat of him shooting maybe open up opportunities if you know the defender closes on him or if he's getting hot and they double maybe boom making that one more pass and getting someone else an open shot i think that's the next progression in hoarders game um as well as just continue to shoot well from the three-point line he was only at 38 percent second highest on a team but I see that going up with him continuing to develop. 41% from the field, 83% free throw shooter. And then Cam Reddish, the other young player for the Hawks, at 10.5 points per game, averaging 26 minutes, which is the fifth highest minutes on the team. One steal per game, 33% from the three, 80% from the throw line in nine field goal attempts per game. Obviously a very explosive player. We know he's very streaky from the three-point line, but we know that he can hit him from his high school tape and his short time at Duke. It's just a matter of developing and continuing to garner confidence for all these young players for the Hawks. Uh, Bembry is coming back next year. Clint Capella, obviously on the team in a midseason trade. You have VC gone. Dwayne Denman is back. In their best, plus minus, coming back on a team at nine. Very good player. Um, rim protector, can get boards, but also stretch the floor with his three-point shooting ability. It's good to have Dwayne Dedman back. 
He could be a bargaining chip for trade in the draft, whatnot, but we'll get to that later. And then you have Bruno Fernando, very explosive young player out of Maryland coming back. So a very forward-thinking roster, a lot of forwards on the team, and no one over seven foot. So they play a little bit of small ball. At least they have some front-court players, unlike the Houston Rockets, who they traded um, to get Capella from. Still a, a little bit of smaller roster, so I would love to see a little bit more rim protection be addressed. As I mentioned earlier, I know the ball handler, play creator, capable shooter, offensive generator, whatever, to help complement and hopefully maybe spell Trey Young at times because it is noted, as I mentioned, how the offense goes from basically first to worst in the league when he steps off the court because of his impact with his passing, his shooting, and playmaking. And hopefully this can help Trey Young get some off-ball opportunities as well with catch-and-shoot opportunities, maybe take some of the physicality off of you know being a ball handler and maybe even preserve him even longer there. So guard, forward, maybe another center, depending on what they decide to do as far as trades and if they like being six, if they want to trade back or trade up. There's a lot of flexibility um, especially with the cap room that the Atlanta Hawks have going forward. So it's just about finding the right suitor, looking at the prospects that you have, and we will take the next few episodes leading up to the NBA Combine and the NBA Draft to look at prospects that could be wonderful fits for this Atlanta Hawks roster going forward, as well as explore trade rumors, uh, free agency rumors as well surrounding this Atlanta Hawks team as we continue to see what moves will this front office make to continue to take steps to being an Eastern Conference playoff team next year. So with that, we thank you for tuning in to our first episode of Hoopball Hawks. Um, follow us at Hoopball Hawks on Twitter. That's at Hoopball Hawks on Twitter. And as well as follow myself at Brad Jarrett. J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. That's Brad Jarrett. J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7 on Twitter. And in the words of Stephen A. Smith, Holla at your boy!